You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Straight Talk on uh, the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Father Kyle Metzger broadcasting from our studios here in Fargo with Roxanne Solonen. We are going to be beginning uh, shortly here our Straight Talk session where you can call in with any questions that you have on the faith. Hopefully I can uh, uh, give you my best shot at a good answer for you. So if you've got a question on any topic... Please call in. The number is 877-795-0122. Again, that's 877-795-0122. Yes, and also we want to remind our listeners of a special event following this broadcast today at 11 o'clock. Our station, Real Presence Radio, will be broadcasting uh, a special uh, mass, a funeral mass, for uh, the Diocese of Duluth, Bishop Paul Serba. That will be uh, broadcast across the entire RPR network on the radio, online, and on our app. Uh, It'll begin at 11 a.m. from the Cathedral of Our Lady of the Rosary, and then we'll return to regularly scheduled program following this. Uh, But please tune in as we celebrate the life of this beloved bishop. You know, it was just last year that my daughter was, she was up at uh, College of St. Scholastica, and Mm -hmm. we were getting ready for her beautiful uh, Christmas program that she sang in at that cathedral. So I I can envision, even though I won't be there today, um, that beautiful setting. And um, it's it's a sad event, but a a joyful event as well, uh, as he gets ready to to be received into into our Lord's arms. Yeah, yeah. So we... uh, we, uh, our hearts go out to all of our listeners out there on 88.1 uh, in Duluth. We, uh, we're going to um, keep you in our prayers, and we're going to uh, pray for uh, the good bishop, good Bishop Paul Serba, who passed away just this past Sunday, suddenly from a heart attack. So we'll keep you in our prayers. But uh, let's uh, move into our Straight Talk segment. So if you've got any questions on the faith, give us a call, 877-795-0122. We'll do our best to uh, tackle any questions you have maybe on Scripture, any questions that maybe you have on church history or about any saints. Maybe there's a question about the liturgy that you have, wondering why something happens in the Mass that you've never had explained to you. Uh, Questions about moral teachings of the Church. Something in the catechism. My goodness, there's so much to our faith, Roxanne, and Mm -hmm. anything that you have that you're wondering about, now's the time to give us an answer. I feel like this season of Advent, well, it's kind of the beginning of our church year, right? Am I right, Father? Yes. uh, The first Sunday of Advent this past Sunday is Mm -hmm. New Year liturgically. Right, right. And it does, I feel that, that newness and... Uh, and, and a renewed appreciation for our seasons and and how we keep coming and, and just that Catholics get to to celebrate these beautiful I, I don't know there's I, something very like natural I think about the church year I remember when when I was an elementary school student we would always get a big uh, a poster with the ad the, the church year as a big circle and so you can see the different movements of the church that some of our seasons like Advent and Lent are look quieter 
You know, we right. kind of calm things down and we do a, maybe a, a bit more reflection of the year. And so here at the new year, we kind of quiet things down as we start a new year. Let's kind of reflect on our lives, reflect on our relationship with the Lord. And then some of our seasons are jubilant, mm-hmm. namely Christmas and Easter. And so we bring out uh, more flowers and stuff in our in our churches. The vestments are a little bit grander, brighter, white. And so, uh, and I think that pairs well with our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes there are things that happen in our lives that are very joyful, very exciting. We share with friends, and the other things are challenging. And so, we kind of need the permission to to pull back, especially in the world as busy as it is right now. We went to Mass the night before, you know, on, on the Saturday Vigil Mass for yeah. Advent, but the snow was falling beautifully, and it was just... It, it it was just the timing of the snow with mm-hmm. the beginning of Advent was was so beautiful, and it's also interesting that Bishop Serba died the first day of Advent too. Yeah. I mean, there, there's the sadness and the joy, and the it's all kind of mixed into everything in this yeah. season. And I, I think in the church's wisdom, they they provide these seasons of a quieter atmosphere. Um, and of course, we like the joy, the festivity, but part of the reason I think liturgically why we so look forward to Christmas and Easter is because we have taken that time beforehand to kind of take a deep breath, um, that the quiet makes the contrast of the celebration all the more more pressing, all the more uh, joyful. And like you said, you know, when, when, when you drive around, you know, there's a lot of uh, fervor and a lot of um, excitement um, of course, anticipating Christmas. So, all the more reason where, you know, there's that wisdom of the church to say, yes, it's coming, it's coming, but don't rush it. Mm-hmm. Don't rush it. And so, um, take a moment to reflect on what we will be celebrating here Delayed shortly. gratification. Delayed gratification. That's right. a great uh You know, and another thought I had comparison. too of, you know, when you're getting ready to have a baby, it, there's nine months of waiting and, and there is a time right before the baby comes. My, my niece just had baby um on the just this week uh, and it's the first of our line so my sister's a grandma which is crazy <laughs> but i just i cried i was actually on my way to the abortion facility to pray when my sister texted and said he was born 15 minutes ago and all of these emotions just you know but but just that reflection time before a baby comes and so that's what we're we're getting ready for, you know. It's fitting. Yeah. It's fitting. We are here uh, uh, on our Straight Talk section of uh, Real Presence Radio Live. Feel free to call us with any questions that you have, 877-795-0122. You're also free to uh, go on Facebook. If you're on, uh, on that uh, platform, you can uh, submit your question that way. So we've got a lot of different uh, uh, options that you can get a hold of us, 877-795-0122. I, w- I was just on a webinar for through the Catholic Press Association yesterday talking about j- tweeting for Jesus. Tweeting for <laughs> yes. Jesus. And our moderator told us how um, even though... People are saying Facebook isn't as much of a thing anymore. It really is still for our age, and and, um, it's still very vibrant. So it's still being used to communicate and to get the good news out, you know, and to to write your questions into us right now too so I, what's like what's the new thing like i i hear the kids at, at school talking about instagram i am i'm, I'm they, totally not on yep, instagram they I'm, said it's kind of i mean because instagram has been around for a while but it's just newer like for some reason the younger kids are using it more now yeah. um and then there's one called 
TikTok, I guess. That's I don't even know what that is. I know. So I'm total I'm I know. totally out of the loop. You know what's interesting? They said that the younger kids are are um, being are more private. They're doing more private things. They don't want to share because uh, they've they've been told, you know, that this digital footprint is gonna haunt them. Sure. So, so they're choosing more private, but that can be a negative too, because we don't know what's going on. I mean I you know, as parents we can't see it. Gosh, anymore. things are so cyclical. I know. You know, yeah. when I was at yeah. age everything was going public. Yeah. You know, Facebook was coming in and now it's yep. interesting that now it's Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's turning in like literally the other direction. Right, so. right. Yeah, so that was kind of interesting. But anyway. Um, you see, Roxanne, you're up on all this because you're a mom. I'm up, but I'm still kind of like in the dark because I'm like, what's going <laughs> you on? You got to stay TikTok? informed. I don't know. Yeah, I know at the schools, they, they, they're, they're, they do these... Uh, 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 workshops for parents mm-hmm. to keep them up to date on but can a lot I tell of you this something? stuff. By the time we go to that workshop, there's already something new. I'm serious. Yeah, it's like we're, we're sure. always, as adults, we're always kind of bumbling along and we're behind everything. But we can, we do what we can do. You know, it's it's a hard world to parent in. I'll just say that much. I bet. I bet. Yeah. So anyway, hey, call in, write in on Facebook, however you can reach us. We're, we're, this is such a, a great time with so many questions. You know, let's, let's think about our readings today. I had a question we were talking about a little bit earlier. I'm going to throw it at you, and, and I know that you said you don't have much of an answer. But, this is a tough question. You know, um, let's see, where, where are we at here? It was, uh, it's about the, the blind men. It's in Matthew 9, 27 to 31. As Jesus passed by, two blind men followed him, crying out, Son of David, have pity on us. Now, Jesus healed them, and then at the end, he warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread word of him through all the land. They don't listen to the Lord <laughs> himself, Roxanne. They're like teenagers. I know. I know. <laughs> this, is, this, has, this has baffled many people, and I'll admit, it has kind of uh, caused me to wonder as well. But what this is referred to is oftentimes it's called the messianic secret. The word messianic, the adjective form of Messiah. Okay. So it's like the secret of the Messiah. And so he does these 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 miracles and things and then his closest followers he tells them now don't don't tell anybody don't tell. and the, the ironic thing is they always like blab it to the world and how could you not I mean it's the good news exactly and so like biblical scholars theologians have wondered like why does Jesus tell them mm-hmm. not to tell anybody mm-hmm. and there's been uh, there's been various explanations and they all like make sense uh, but I, I, I'll admit for me they haven't been totally airtight. So there's even, you know, as a priest, someone who's gone to seminary instead of theology, even this one, I I also kind of wonder, some people said, you know, it's kind of like reverse psychology type stuff going on that he really does want people to tell. I just, I, that one is not as convincing to me. Mm -hmm. I don't think like Jesus is playing mind games with his disciples. So Mm -hmm. even some like kind of, um, weaker answers have been proposed like that. Um, but is he, is he kind of, um, kind of fostering a faith or a fervor in them by kind of having mm. them kind of uh, more so internalize it than make it public is, is possible. But I'll be honest, you know, Roxanne, I don't have a, a solid answer to that question. But if you've wondered about it, mm-hmm. you're, you're in good company. Okay. Many scripture scholars have, have pondered, why does, why does Jesus tell them not to, to share what th- these awesome miracles? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. I, I believe, if I remember correctly from my studies, I think that only happens in the Gospel of Matthew. Okay. I think that's something unique to his gospel, the messianic secret, that, that uh, doesn't come up in the other gospels of Jesus um, asking his disciples not to share all but these But are there things. other messianic secrets? Yes, in, it, ha- okay. it happens a couple of times. Okay, okay. It happens a couple of times in the Gospel of Matthew. Okay, 
All right. Well, um, if you want to call in with your question, we we I have questions. I'll take. I'll use this time. <laughs> I always need a priest. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. We have a lot of people in our listening audience, and so um, go ahead and give us a call. Write it on Facebook if that's easier for you. However, it works out for you. We'd love to hear from you. We have this rich resource right here. So uh, go ahead and shoot us your question. Um, one thing, uh, some of our listeners might be wondering about Roxanne. Um, I have a, a relative who's non-Catholic, and the the Advent wreath mm. was a new thing that she encountered when she uh, when she came to our Catholic family. And um, many Catholics, you know, might not even know the history of the Advent wreath, or quite frankly, the the history of the Christmas tree, either. But the Advent wreath tends to be more uniquely um, Catholic. I, I think. Many people are surprised when they find that the history of the Advent wreath is rather new, like within a couple of centuries. And, you know, you've got a 2,000-year-old church, a couple of centuries is actually very recent history. But it, was, it began um, in Germany, um, was uh, kind of the origin of the, of the Advent wreath, where they would take bows, um, bow branches of an evergreen tree, and they would wind them in a loop. And what they would do is they would light one candle for each week of Advent, kind of in, you might say, a similar vein of, of Hanukkah, where they, say, yeah. the, the menorah, where they mm-hmm. would light uh, one candle each day of the eight days of Hanukkah, but kind of marking the weeks mm-hmm. leading up to Christmas. The interesting thing is in Germany, and if you go to Germany, this is still the case, um, their candles are always red. You know, okay. we're used to the purple, purple, pink, mm-hmm. purple. Mm-hmm. In Germany, the candles are all red, and they're all four red. Okay. So, like when uh, when uh, Pope Pope Emeritus Benedict, mm-hmm. who's German, of course, had his Advent wreath in the papal apartments, it was all red candles. Okay. And so that was like the press is like, why are the candles red? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Aren't they supposed to be purple? What, what, and pink? Why are they red? I mean, that was that was just the original okay. German thing. It was okay. red candles. They just you know, had the red, red season, yeah. and eventually okay. that evolved into purple to match the liturgical color. Okay. Okay. And then pink, of course, mm-hmm. on uh, uh, on Gaudete Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's a Gaudete Latari, mm-hmm. in Lent. So Gaudete mm-hmm. Sunday, the liturgical color was pink. Mm-hmm. So they matched that in the candle. So that kind of evolved to have the purple match the um, the liturgical color. But it started in Germany. All the candles were red. So if you uh, sometimes see red candles on an Advent mm. wreath, it isn't wrong. Okay. <laughs> Okay. It's just, it's actually more uh, original, you could say. You know, another thing I've seen, but I don't even know, online, if you look up Advent wreath and look for images, some of them have a, like a white candle yes. in the middle. What is that? Is that? So you, you, you'll see that sometimes. Oftentimes when you, yeah, you buy them, they'll have a, a fifth spot for a candle. Oftentimes it's right in the middle and yeah. they light a white one. Um, I've heard it explained different ways. It, then when Christmas comes, you can mm-hmm. light the white one. So you oh, can okay. kind of keep the Advent wreath going. Okay. Um, that might be kind of a new innovation of the Advent wreath, but generally you only have the four candles. Okay. Uh, the uh, three purple and then the one pink. I do like the pink one, I have to admit. It's I exciting. Know. I know. And I kind know. of like, ah, it's almost time. I better hurry and finish and get ready. <laughs> when, I was a, when I was a school teacher, we would um, 
pray as a class at the beginning of the day. We'd gather around the Advent wreath. And of course, this was sixth grade. They all wanted to light the candle. They thought this was pretty, mm-hmm. you know, fire mm-hmm. in school. Mm-hmm. But they really <laughs> wanted to let the, uh, somebody wanted to light that pink one. Right. They were really excited to light that pink one. And then the fourth one you hardly ever use because school would yeah, get out. Yeah, I always feel sorry for the fourth candle. I know. It's just, it's just <laughs> the week, like when it's, a, I think, what was it, a year or two ago, we had like one day yes. in the fourth week of Advent. So that one, yeah. You spend yeah. all the money on the candle and yeah. you don't get to burn it. Here's another little family thing. My kids always fought over who got to blow out the candles too. <laughs> like we'd have fights break out over who got to blow out the yeah, candles. Yeah, the, the altar boys at the parish love that because they get to use the snuffer, right? Yes. They, we, we tell the altar boys, don't you dare blow out a candle because right. wax gets yes. all all these droplets of wax. It yeah. drives us priests crazy. So we tell them under no conditions, blow out a candle. So they like to use that snuffer oh, because you, that's the, the only time they get to use it. The mm-hmm. snuffer and the incense. Oh my gosh, you'll get all the altar boys you can if you tell them they can use the snuffer or the mm-hmm. incense. Mm-hmm. Something about fire and boys, I don't know. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Burning stuff in, in church, it's pretty awesome. Okay, so we are on Straight Talk here, Real Presence Radio. We're looking for uh, uh, someone to call in if you've got a question about the Catholic faith. Um, I'm here to uh, to provide you with an answer. Give us a call, 877 795 Again, that's 877-795-0122. And we'll remind our listeners that following the broadcast uh, this morning at 11 o'clock, we are going to continue programming with uh, Bishop Paul Serba's funeral, which is going to take place in the, in the Diocese of Duluth. We are going to broadcast live his funeral uh, for all of our listeners, particularly those uh, in the Diocese of Duluth who are unable to go to the, to the funeral at the cathedral there. Um, uh, the Cathedral of Our Lady of the Rosary. So after today's broadcast at 11 o'clock, stay tuned. You'll be able to uh, listen in to Bishop Paul Serba's funeral. You know, it's he died of a cardiac issue, and my husband, as I mentioned earlier uh, a little bit, we he had his first of two surgeries, open-heart surgeries in the last couple of years. The first one was on December 6th, and he kind of chose, we kind of had some different dates we could choose, and, and he picked that for for that reason that it was you know a, a, a feast day or a, 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 i don't know if it's a, technically a feast a day, memorial but yeah, yeah yeah so um anyway so this so this day is kind of I, I hugged my husband this morning and i said i'm so glad you're here and he's like yeah i, I think I'm, i was just thinking about the date too and i'm going to be thinking about it probably throughout the day and i just i just want to thank god i guess that he's with us because um we'll always come back to that this day as the day that so it's in you know when when i saw that bishop serba had had died the first day of advent you know and mm-hmm. so close to and now he's being buried on saint nicholas's day um it's there's just a lot of thoughts there for me and and you've got a son nicholas i do too, so. nicholas saint nicholas not who is not a saint yet but will be someday <laughs> saint nicholas the <laughs> second yeah, yeah. yeah we'll see no yeah so obviously i love obviously i named my kid saint nick so you know He's bound for sainthood someday. <laughs> yes, we, as we all desire to be. Maybe not necessarily canonized, but we want to be saints. One other thing, um, Roxanne, while we're waiting for a call, um, to mention that uh, most parishes have, uh, uh, during Advent, penance services, mm, communal penance services. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that'd be a very fitting mm-hmm. thing to kind of draw to the attention of our, of our listeners that... Uh, um, 
most uh, uh, parishes, especially if you're in large cities, all the parishes coordinate amongst themselves to have several priests visit each parish some evening during the week to uh, take the opportunity to go to confession in anticipation of um, of Christmas. You know, it's a season literally of preparation of Christ coming in your lives. So, if it's been um, if it's been a while since uh, since your last confession, maybe even years, Roxanne. I tell mm. people the like the devil really works to keep you away out of like fear or well, it's been so long. You know, the priest is it's going to take too long, man. This is the opportunity. You can go to one of these penance services. Oftentimes, there's many priests there that. Um, may not even be your pastor. So sometimes that's people's reservations. They feel uncomfortable kind of disclosing all of this to to their own priest who they see every week, which is unfortunate. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we don't, uh, we, 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 we as priests certainly see it differently, but sometimes there's that, that natural reservation of being so open to somebody you know. So if that's what's holding you back, one of these pen services is the perfect opportunity when you could uh, have easy access to a priest who you may be unfamiliar with. You know, I have a, a suggestion too. I, I think of, oh, come let us adore him. And I've really begun as I've become a, a more fastidious adorer in the Eucharist, um, that this is a time you think of the three wise men getting ready to, to go see Jesus and going on that journey. We have, you know, these adoration chapels throughout our diocese where people can go. And we were talking earlier about needing to kind of quiet down and get into the right frame of mind. What a beautiful time to to go to adoration, maybe for the first time. If you're wanting and needing some time to prepare your heart, getting ready for that confession that you haven't given for a long time or whatever, anyone can go to an adoration chapel, and some of them are open 24-7, including the cathedral here in Fargo. So um, I, I just think what an opportunity to, to, again, kind of enter into this season. And I, I don't know if you have any thoughts there, but... Yeah. Um, Adoration, adore, it just kind of all... I, no, it, it absolutely fits um, the parish I'm at on the epi- Feast of the Epiphany, where we remember the kings particularly. We usually take the opportunity to preach about um, adoration, because mm-hmm. literally these kings are journeying in order to adore, little and calm, let us adore him, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. adore um, the newborn king. And so, yes, Advent, Christmas... Feast of the Epiphany, it's all very connected to, to, uh, to the faith and uh, in, in particularly the, uh, the opportunity for uh, Eucharistic adoration. So if there's an adoration chapel um, in your area, at your parish, um, take advantage during this, uh, this, uh, this Advent season. It would be very, very fitting. We are doing straight talk. We are waiting for our first caller. Looking forward to that. Our number is 877-795-0122. I am your host for Real Presence Live this morning, Roxanne Solomon, and I have with me my co-host. Father Kyle Metzger. And we're waiting for your call. So um, I don't know. Maybe it's everyone's getting quiet and quieting their hearts for Advent. You know what? It, no, you know what I think it is, Roxanne, is our our, uh, our listeners are just so intelligent. <laughs> they know it. They know it. they've been listening to Real Presence Radio for like years, for a decade. And, uh, you know, they've got it. They, there are no they, more questions. They listen. You know, they've got all this other programming, too, that we uh, that we use. So we got... Um, We've got some uh, smart listeners, um, as you said, Roxanne. It's uh, it's the new uh, it's a new year. Mm-hmm. Advent uh, Advent is the new season. So what that does is it gives us a new lectionary too for the um, for the the readings 
at Mass on Sunday, there is a, a three-year cycle, a three-year rotation of readings for the Sunday Mass. And so um, we are now on year A, year A, year A, B, and C. It's very, very easy to remember. We are now on year A. So most of the Sunday Gospels, not all of them, but most of the Sunday Gospels are going to come from Matthew. Okay. Are going to come from Matthew. Um, we just finished up year C, naturally. And so uh, that's the, the Luke cycle. So you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So every three years. So um, if you... Um, if you uh, 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 have your Sunday Mass for all three of those years, you will get through a huge chunk of the Gospels. Not every single passage is read, but most are. And then Luke, oftentimes preachers wonder, well, where does Luke? How do we get Luke in? Luke comes up at random times, oftentimes on uh, the big holidays. So during Easter, we read a lot from Luke. During uh, uh, um, uh, during Christmas, well, excuse me, I said Luke. I meant John. Where does okay. John come in? Uh, those comes. Uh, uh, the Gospel of John is inserted on a lot of like the big holidays mm-hmm. and holy days and mm-hmm. stuff. Do you have a favorite gospel? You know, I, I say that, and then the next week it changes. <laughs> right. So I'll, I'll give the, the the clarification on the different things that I like about each of the gospels. When I was a when I was a teenager, I really liked Mark because it was the shortest, but I didn't <laughs> like because it was just brief. But because it's short, Mark cuts right to the heart of it. Okay, he's blunt. He's very <laughs> blunt. He gets, and so he's got some of like these one liners, you know, that uh, that are are very effective. So. I when I was younger I liked Mark because it, it's just a little more direct and a, more blunt. Um, John is is great because he, he he's he's very poetic, very beautiful. So a lot of people like John. There's a lot of unique material in John that doesn't happen in the other Gospels. So like the wedding at Cana, mm-hmm. for example. Um, but I would have to say if you pressed me on it, I would probably say my most favorite is Matthew. Okay. I like Matthew. Um, um, it's full. I think there's 28 chapters in Matthew, so it's one of the longer ones. Um, and he's matured, just, so you can handle the longer <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Except my attention span has increased. So I like Matthew. If you know Matthew well, you you've got you know the main main things of of Jesus's life. So. Well, we have we do have a, a, a someone writing in on Facebook, Laura. Uh, she says, "Hi, Father Kyle. How often, or under which circumstances, are feasts moved, such as the Immaculate <laughs> Conception to Monday, and which feasts are immovable?" Thanks. This 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 is a great question. Okay, and Worth this is the wait. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. Okay, so it it does get kind of complicated, unfortunately. So and so people are like, "Well, this is a holy day. Why do we have to go to mass? Do we not have to go to mass?" And unfortunately, I think you know we as we as priests and bishops have made it unnecessarily complicated. If there is a holy day that falls on a on a Saturday or a Monday, the bishops of the United States have have determined we won't make it obligatory. Um, I don't know if we uh, we think it might be too much of a burden to make people go to Mass two days in a row. I don't know. But so if there's a holy day that falls on a, on a, on a Saturday or a Monday, it's not obligatory. Certainly, you can still go to Mass on those days. The priests are still going to, you know, have, uh, have Mass and offer the proper readings on those days. But it's not obligatory with the penalty of sin if you don't go. So as our, as our Laura noted, uh, this year, 
December eighth falls on a on a Monday, and so that would you that would be the uh, the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, mm-hmm. which normally would be a holy day of obligation. It's still a holy day, but it loses the obligation this year. Okay. So you don't have to go on um, you don't have to go on Monday with the penalty of sin if you miss, but you still can. So that's kind of the general rule. There you can get into the weeds with this sort of stuff where um, uh, if uh, uh, what readings do you use? If there are other things going on, but I'll, I, I don't think uh, our listeners need to get into those stupid categories. The priests we have to learn that very carefully. But I think for 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 in general, our listeners know if it falls on a Saturday or a Monday, you lose the uh, you lose the obligation, and that was a choice made by by uh, the bishops following the uh, Second Vatican Council. Okay. All right. Well, th- thank you for that, and thank you, Laura, for for writing in. We also have a comment or a question from Phil on Facebook, who asks, "How does Jeremiah fit into Advent, or is he more fitting for Lent?" All right, Father, here you go. Uh, that's a that's. A, <laughs> That's a good question. Jeremiah, you know, since we're in the season of Advent, Lent is not uh, right on my mind. But um, in Advent, which we are right now, the the prophet Isaiah definitely takes precedent. So in, uh, in daily Mass, the first reading, if I remember correctly, um, unanimously comes from the prophet Isaiah. Um, Lent. Does Jeremiah come up in Lent? I would have to. I'd have to look up to that. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to get back to Phil. But uh, here in Advent, Isaiah looms large. He he talks a lot about like the new creation. The lion will lie down with the lamb. So we get those readings during Advent. There's uh, prophecies of the Messiah that are very prominent in Isaiah. So it's. Um, it's a very fitting reading, uh, a very fitting book for uh, for Advent. Okay. Well, I think we have someone on the phone. Is that right, Aaron? Okay. Who do we have? Dick and Tom. Hi. Yeah, Dick and Tom, James Tom. Oh, Tom. hi. <clears throat> hi. Just a, hi there. Hi. Yeah, good to see you. Good to hear from you. Um, just a comment about adoration. Uh-huh. Father, I mentioned something about that. If, <clears throat> if churches have a, a, a chapel, adoration chapel, etc., that'd be good, too. You know, uh, visit that. Um, I don't disagree with that at all. But those churches that don't have adoration chapels, I would certainly encourage people to just go and sit in front of the tabernacle. Mm. Well, it, it, it's much the same thing, except that Jesus is not exposed. So that's common. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Deacon. Thank you for calling in to note that. In fact, in in like the in the in the church um, liturgical books where it speaks about adoration, it does show the distinction between like just adoration, but then adoration. Um, uh, before the host exposed. So it broadens many people's understanding of adoration. Like adoration, like you said, Deacon, can be simply praying in front of the tabernacle. The, the liturgical books group it into that category, and then it makes kind of the deeper specificity adoration before the host exposed. So Deacon, you are absolutely right. Thank you for calling in to offer that clarification. If, you, if, the, if the parish where you attend doesn't have 
adoration exposed, Mm -hmm. go there. Just like the deacon said that Jesus is in the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. And so he's there. You can pray. uh, um, You can uh, can pray right there. Thank you, deacon, for uh, offering that uh, that, uh, additional note. And thank you all for called in and wrote in with your questions. This segment is on 930 Central every Monday through Friday. Up next, Teresa Gilbertson and Diane Darlene on the Feast of St. Nicholas. Be right back with more Real Presence Live. <music> 